Thanks, Brad. Ah, well, I'm, I'm pretty nervous. I'm as nervous as Fremantle when they run out and smell the grass. <laughs> sorry, sorry, love. Really sorry, but I just have to break, have to break the ice. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just going to take five because I just need to. I, I really felt like the Lord was going, just, I know you're nervous. I know you're, you know, packing it, but like that, that's done now. I never have to step up for, to here for the very first time ever again. So <laughs> I'm stoked. So I'm, I've already kicked that goal. So, um, yeah, uh, has anyone done Elijah House recently? Yeah, I was just reminded of my journey and the start of my journey um, Friday night. I was just sitting there writing notes and screwing them up and throwing them away, and that was a continuation over the last week or so. But um, 30 years ago, I feel I, I made a vow. I was, I was um, uh, yeah, I was in a situation I felt really ridiculed and really humiliated because of my faith. And I chose to react badly in that situation. And I made a vow in my heart. And I, I um, yeah, I basically went, that's it. I'm never going to share my faith again. I'm never going to share anything about God to anybody else um, because of the circumstances that happened. And uh, it was this weekend last year that we did Module 1. And I discovered that I'd made that vow. And so uh, the Lord certainly smashed that ball out of the park <laughs> by, well, here I am. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a Elijah House is just an exciting thing. It's an awesome journey to be a part of as well. Um, so I guess my journey over the last couple of years, uh, if I was to ever get a tattoo, I'd probably get uh, Ephesians 5:14 tattooed across from one arm all the way to the other. Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So that's my story for the day, and I feel like it's. Um, uh, the Lord's really tattooed that across my heart in the last couple of years. And the guys who are journeying with me, they'll, they'll probably feel the same way. Um, yeah, so I just want to read out of Ephesians 5, starting at uh, verse 11. Um, oh, happy Father's Day too, by the way, to everybody. Um, I, yeah, I'll give you permission to go and do, any, do something today that you've never done before. And I win. So, uh, but... <laughs> But yeah, feel free to do that. I'll give you permission. Um, yeah, so Ephesians 5, verse 11 uh, says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk not as unwise but as wise making the best use of time because because the days are evil um that's just the section that i i like i pulled out of there and and um yeah it's really spoken to me a lot over the last couple of years um so i guess i'm going to talk about our culture first our western west aussie culture i think um as west aussies we all have a motto especially guys um we have a bit of an underlying motto that is the uh, she'll be right motto or, you know, I've got this, I'll be right, I can do this. You know, we're, we're a little bit, we're, we're strong though, you know, we're, we're diggers. Um, we're, we come from a strong culture, a strong background. We're all hardworking, um, hardworking Aussie guys. But I feel like um, 
our Western society has maybe shaped us, uh, even from schooling age, um, I feel like it's kind of shaped us into a direction where we feel like, you know, we have to achieve and we have to strive and we have to build and we have to, we're driven, um, we're on this machine and we feel like we're continuously driven to, um, to gain more um, in, in marketing. We'll see, like we're always, we have ads come across, we're on our phones or on TVs and all that sort of thing. So we're always, um, we're always bombarded with, with all of this junk and we, we're, um, we're, we're kind of convinced that this is the direction that we have to head as men. And um, men and women, I guess. Um, and, and as we're working hard to achieve and to strive and to, to build the house, to supply the car, to, to put the kids through school, to, um, to gain and grow and do all those sort of things that we feel like it's accepted in our culture, I feel, oh, for myself, um, some things, the most important things were getting left behind. My, my relationships, um, my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my darling kids, um, they're here today. And I just feel like I always thought, you know, in, in myself, well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good, you know. I'm, I'm achieving, I'm growing, I'm striving, I'm providing this, I'm providing the new car, I'm providing... Uh, the place to live, uh, we go on a holiday twice a year, so I'm ticking the boxes and I'm, you know, and, and that's where I'm meant to be because that's where, yeah, that's where society tells me that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to work six days a week if I get it in seven days a week. Well, that's just a bonus, isn't it? That's just, <laughs> yeah, anyway, I won't go down that road too far. But um, I was actually reminded even, well, actually spoke to a guy last night. I've known him for about 20 years, a friend of ours, and haven't seen him for a while. And... Um, He's now, this is like where it goes to the extreme, and he's now a chaplain in the Pilbara um, due to, um, yeah, yeah. So they've decided to have chaplains on these certain campsites. So there's a chaplain there every 24-7. And um, I, was, I was just talking to him about this and, and his business and how he goes about his day, and he actually said that um, the biggest problem up there is relationships because they've all come up there to pursue the mighty dollar and they think that that's where they're meant to be. They've got the new car in the house and the, the, um, the wife's happy. She's got the money coming in. But uh, they call it, um, they literally nickname it the golden handcuffs. And so <laughs> I was like, they've been conditioned to thinking that this is the direction I need to go to achieve and to build and to grow. And uh, he's, he's finding himself... In, in most experiences when he talks to the guys that rel relationships and their own personal um, lives, relationships with their kids and their families are um, on the downhill run. Um, and he said he walked into a workshop the other day and there was, there was nine guys in the workshop, seven were divorced and two were separating. So it was, it's really sad. He's got a big job up there, a big call, um, but he's really enjoying it. Um, he's able to just, just be there and to just be someone that they can come and talk to and lean on. And um, it, was just, it was really exciting talking to him because he, he just feels like he's, just, he's right where he meant to, he's meant to be, and it's so exciting for him. Um, so, yeah, I guess for me, I, I, on my particular journey, striving and struggling and pursuing 
the dollar and all that kind of thing. Um, I didn't ever feel like I was doing anything wrong in particular. In fact, uh, I was doing everything right. Um, no, sorry. I didn't feel like I was doing anything wrong, but I wasn't doing anything right. That's... I'll get this right. Uh, so, yeah, um, I basically... Yeah, Rose, that's where paradox comes along. But um, And especially if you add in a few false refuges here and there, which I often struggled with... Um, you, you know, if, if you quite often for myself, come home, have a couple of beers after work, and that was it. I was out for the count. I'd be on the, on the couch asleep. And uh, so relation, my relationships and all that, those kinds of things, they suffered more than I realised. Uh, and I'm just, I just thought of a story um, recently. If, and and as, as Christian, I've come a long way from that. Um, but as Christians, I just feel like um, if, we're, if we have, if two warriors live in a house, a bit of a word picture for you, if two warriors live in a house, they're mighty, they're powerful, and there's a thief, and he's only small, but if he wants to come in, and if he wants to take over, and if he wants to rob, kill and destroy this household, the best way for him to do that is to somehow or other get you to sleep, so... And he can have his way and take whatever he wants. Um, and that's what was happening with, with myself. And I, I, um, I, uh, another example, a little bit of a different tangent, but um, Bill Johnson talked about it in one of his books. And he was saying that the, his um, culture, as he was growing up, going to Bible college and um, college, seminary, whatever they call it over there, everyone was so focused on... Um, the Lord coming back, the rapture, that the Lord was going to come back, that's it, we don't have to worry anymore, he's going to come back maybe this year, maybe next year. So the, the guys who were gifted and the guys who could have been political leaders and, and they could have been effective in, the, in even the ministry, they, they basically went, well, the Lord's coming back, so, you know, case sera. And unfortunately, um, possibly, he goes into more detail I don't remember all of the story, but in that generation, um, guys were focusing on one thing, and it's, all, it's great they were Christians, but they were they were missing the discernment and the you know the, the guidance they needed for that day. And as an effect, he says that uh, abortion became legal throughout that period of time. So they missed a lot of things that they could have been working against and that kind of thing. So. Um, so for me, I feel, I have felt over the last couple of years, um, like what is the Lord asking us to do? Um, now over and over in the New Testament, he calls us, he invites us, I, he, he never demands anything, he, never, he's never, he will never force his hand. Um, in the parable of the wedding feast, um, he invites the guest and they use the word invite as in call as well. And... Uh, like we were invited to a, res a engagement last night and we didn't have to go. We didn't have to do anything about that. We could have stayed home, but, but um, we were invited, we were called. We still had to get in our car. We weren't dragged there kicking and screaming. We had to get in our car and do something about it to get to the destination. So pretty simple, really, but I, f I just feel like the Lord is calling us. We, we, and... Uh, 
he's calling us to be awake because in a few verses here, Matthew 24, 42, he says, therefore, stay awake for you do not know, know on what day the Lord is coming. And Thessalonians 5, 2, 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And in 5 verse 6, So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. So also, the only other reference of a sleeper that I could find, or somebody being called to wake up, oh sleeper, that I could find in, in the Bible was the story of Jonah. And we all know the story of Jonah. He was, um, he was called to preach to the guys at Nineveh because the Lord had, had um, that all fallen. So, or they were, yeah, he was called to save them. So basically, Jonah, we know the story. He was literally, he was looking for, for a way out. He didn't want to go, simple as that. And I feel like possibly for myself, especially possibly even making that vow. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to do anything. I was like, no, Lord, I'm working. I'm working hard. I'm happy providing. You know, I'll, um, I'll sit up the back for the rest of my Christian days and tithe. It's all good. <laughs> That's all I need to do. But the Lord had other plans for Jonah. And I, he was, so he caught this, jumped on this ship and he was going to Tarshish. Tarshish. And, uh, a, um, the Lord caused a storm to come up against the ship, so he's sleeping in the uh, the very bottom of the boat. And um, excuse me, I have this funny feeling, but I'm not sure. I I had a funny thought that I wonder if he was pretending to be asleep uh, because he knew what was going on. He knew that the Lord had caused a storm to come up against the boat, and um, I find yeah. I'm, I'm just wondering, because the only other person that we knew that could sleep in the middle of a storm was Jesus. So Jonah's there, and he's like the kids when they were naughty. They'd run off to bed, and you'd hear a bang, clunk, bang, you know. But the, then they'd jump into bed, pull the covers up. Yeah, I'm asleep, you know, but you knew they weren't. Um, so the captain of the ship was, was, they were starting to throw all their cargo overboard. And they were wondering what the heck was going on because they knew that this wasn't right. Something was going on. And anyway, they, the captain goes down and says, wake up, sleeper. You know, what's going on? Is this your God? Is this, is this, has he caused this storm to come, come on us? And, um, and then Jonah's like, yep, it was me. Throw me over. You know, he actually did not want to go to Tash, Tash in Nineveh, sorry. He didn't want to go. So he was happy for the captain to throw him over. He's like, yep, might as well just throw me over, throw me to the sharks. But uh, the captain then, it says, they kept rowing to get, to try to get to dry land. So even the captain didn't want to throw him over, but Jonah was, had already resolved the fact that he was going to be thrown overboard because he knew why the storm was there. So I, I was wondering in myself, is that kind of how our lives are when for me things aren't going well you know am I really listening to where I should be am I listening to where the Lord's called me that kind of thing um, and as a result the storms of life have just kind of beaten against us uh, because maybe maybe we're not in the perfect will of God I'm not I'm not sure it's just it's an interesting story but 
Anyway, I think when Jonah got thrown overboard, he was actually kind of, woohoo, I'm glad, I'm just going to get eaten by sharks and I don't have to go to Nineveh. The funny thing was, he got eaten by, he was held in the belly of a fish and he's probably thinking, ah, damn it. <laughs> and the, and the, the thing was, as soon as he was thrown over, the, um, the guys on the ship were like, it was God. So they're all praising the Lord and they made sacrifices and, and they all got saved. And Jonah's going, yeah, no worries. And so he goes off, and, and we know the rest of the story. But, but um, it was, I just found it really interesting. Um, so, yeah, that, I, I really feel that as a, as a family, as a church family, that possibly, I know for myself, you know, the Lord's calling me to do stuff as a whole journey with the shed. And um, <clears throat> so I'm excited to be where I feel he wants me to be. It's, it's, uh, it's an exciting exciting journey um so how do we how do we do this how do we how do we wake up like how do we literally wake up uh we pray for each other um number one so spiritually we can impart what we have uh easy it's not that easy but that's a start um so spiritual i've got a couple of points here so spiritually how do we wake up um, I had this amazing, amazing revelation. You might need to take notes. And uh, <laughs> no, one word, pray. That's it. Go into the secret place. Shut the door. Pray. And as easy as that. Dallas Willard, he's, he's an amazing guy. His wife even used to take notes when he started speaking. He said, um, he was asked a question by John Ortberg who wrote a book soul keeping and uh he said john asked how do i become more spiritual and dallas sat there and thought for a second and he said uh ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life and uh, i had to read it two or three times and and even john was like what he he always got blown away by these small little um snippets that dallas willard would come out they were good friends um, but he's an amazing guy, and I, I really, I, I read that a few times, and I went, yeah, we are so busy pursuing and striving and achieving and building and growing and buying this and getting the new Land Cruiser and, and <laughs> the new things that there's too much going on. So he was so spot on when he said ruthlessly, like, p pursue that with a lot of effort, Pursue doing nothing with as much effort as you possibly can. So sometimes you can't find 20 minutes in the day. Sometimes you can't find 10. Of I, I think it would be just an awesome culture. This is in my mind. If I only had to work two or three days a week, that would just be awesome because you would have time. You could set aside one day just to sit there and listen and just ask and seek and knock and it would, I think it would revolutionise our lives. I know it has, for, for me, for a few of us, it's, um, it's awesome to just spend that time just to pray and, and to literally find him in that quiet place. And uh, I remember one of Amy's messages, she said she'd just sit there some days and just, just knock and just, Lord, where are you? you know? And if she never heard, she'd just keep on knocking. Um, it's like if we haven't got that breakthrough yet, get a bigger hammer. Um, or, but in the opposite, 
sit there for longer, be quieter. Um, so yeah, that was that was a really amazing um, statement that I that I just yeah I'll carry that with me for a long time I think. Um, ah, another thing that I was telling this is a word picture I was talking to. Um, hang on, I'll use no this is different. I'll use this in number three. So that that's number one. So spiritually, find him in the quiet place. Pray. Read, read what we know about him. Um, yeah, there's just so much stuff. And uh, so practically as well, this was a really tough one for me, but I felt like the Lord was calling me um, to more of a purity of heart. And this was really difficult because uh, I feel like as a, as a man in our Western culture, we don't fail, we don't do anything wrong. We're hardworking guys. We're we're tough, but to to so to humble ourselves and admit that we're wrong, admit we've made mistakes, admit we've stuffed up sometimes, admit that our wives were right and we were wrong. <laughs> sometimes that's even that's hard for us. But more more seriously, like on uh, in yeah, this this backs that up as well. Proverbs twenty two eleven. He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. So I, um, so in my, this was a major roadblock for me um, because I always, I know that we're forgiven. I know that there's no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus. But when you're carrying something around that you know that you don't want to be carrying around that it's a hindrance because it's always every morning you get up and it's like right there it's something that eventually on your journey holy spirit's going to go and it happened for me recently he's going to go we need to deal with this and dealing with uh how how do I dealing with false refuges dealing with those kinds of things that, that was one area I felt like the false refuge for me was alcoholism. And so, you know, that was the effect of a bigger cause in my life. It was, um, we, we know on the heart journey where, where if we have a deep wounding in our heart, a deep, um, a deep like a, a vow that we've made or a bitter judgment that we may have made when, when we were kids, when we were young, when we were of learning age, and or unmet needs, we feel like there's that that um, that can grow to a even bigger need as an adult. So you feel like you you know you have that. Like someone said to me the other day, I was walking. I've been walking really closely with God, but then they always felt like you know at any point in time they could just turn back to this refuge that they had. And I said, Sh- sure, you know, but but what about um, what about the cause? So, so that's like the symptom. What about the cause? Why do you feel like you have to always turn to that false refuge? What are you looking in that false refuge that we can't find in our God, in our perfect refuge? So if there, um, alcohol is like a two-way um, perspective. Is it? It's on. We're back. So for me, alcohol my friend alcohol never changes it's a funny thing brad and i were actually joking about it because it's like you'll always you'll always go there because you know oh it's 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 a constant it's always gonna 
numb the pain. It's always going to um, make you, well, obviously we know what the effect is, but it, it's always going to bury also anything that you feel like you don't want to come to the surface. So it was a refuge I really felt like it worked and unfortunately um, to the destruction of everything else around me. Um, so fortunately for me, I, it, it fell away like over time. Um, as I pursued this heart journey, I found that these refuges and these things were just, they were unnecessary. They just fell off. I was like, I don't even feel like a drink anymore. And Jesus said he came to do signs and wonders. And my wife is still wondering what happened. <laughs> you ask her anytime you like. She's, it's, it's a wonder I'm standing here. Um, yes, yeah, so... So, so also in the purity of heart, the, when you make a vow that you, um, you'd never let that happen ag- or you would never admit to that again because of the consequences. So you didn't, for me, I didn't want to take responsibility for any consequences. So that was something else. When I made a vow saying that, excuse me, I'm never going to let the cat out of the bag ever again because of what happened. That's just ridiculous. Um, why, why would I want the repercussions to ever um, happen like that again? I know this is going to be bad. So, But the Lord wants us to come humbly before him. So I feel like, yeah, when I, when I made that... When I made that vow, it was almost like I was um, there was I was reaping the judgment of that. So, so later on in time, it became literally virtually impossible to ever um, to ever want to do anything about it. So you wake up every morning with a thorn in your side, um, but you're happy with that because we'll just keep that buried and we'll keep it buried for as long as we possibly can, and uh, we'll cover that over with our false refuges, um, which is a really sad existence. It's a really sad place to live. Um, I, I know for myself, having dealt with that, I've never felt so much freedom in my life. Um, I don't have the desire to pursue any anything other than the Lord who is our perfect refuge. Um, so, yeah, I really also... Learnt the gift of repentance. Have you? Has anyone recently heard uh, somebody preach about repentance and restitution? I can hear crickets. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> oh yeah. Well, come to the shed one night. <laughs> it's easy. No, but it's like um, it's one of those subjects where I've I've learnt how valuable it is and how how beautiful it is to to learn true repentance david knew how to repent there was no um, that's that's a whole nother sermon in itself um remorse repentance and restitution but king david knew how to repent he'd done all these things he'd he'd um stolen his best mate's wife he uh sent his best mate off to get murdered we know that and when he was confronted by the prophet Nathan, 
David was told a story about a rich man and a poor man. And so David said there was a rich man and he took the poor man's only sheep and he sacrificed it for his neighbour. And David said, you know, that guy should just get told. Uh, That's terrible. Who is this guy? And the prophet Nathan said, that man's you. And so when David caught that revelation of what he had done, David was literally uh, so blown away by the fact when when it was revealed to him that he just sat there and went, I have sinned against the Lord. That was it. There was no denial. There was no blame. He, um, he owned his junk and he became known as a, a man after go- God's own heart. And because of this repentance and the way that he went about also the, the rest restitution part and the the most awesome promise that we can read after that was that David never fell again he he accepted the blame and the denial and he was completely set free of anything that he may have done he never fell again and the Lord's favor and the Lord's blessing was on him all the days of his life Um, so that was an exciting thing and I guess after some of the hardest times in in my life, I was able to then go pray as David prayed, search me and know my heart, God. And I didn't have to, you know, when we do that, we don't have to pray underneath something, you know, waiting. We can, we can just come humbly and boldly before the Lord and say, search me and know my heart. And yeah, and, and become that... I just feel like that's such a vital um, part of being able to connect to the heart of the Father. Um, the other, the other thing. So, number one, spiritually. Number two, I feel like that He calls us to a purity of heart. And the third thing, I really feel that is. Um, vital in our spiritual awakening is our connection, our family connection, our, our this. Eb said to me, because uh, I said, oh, Eb, what am I going to say? You know, she goes, it's all right, Dad. We're all family. Just, it's just like saying grace. And, uh, and it isn't, but <laughs> <laughs> that was fine for me a week and a half ago, um, but I've, I've made it to here, so I'm happy about this. Um, so yeah, so our family connection, our relational connection, and who knows, we can't relate well to others when we have an offendable heart or when we, when we pick up a fence so easily. Um, one of the most awesome examples of this um, is, uh, like I was, I was going through some stuff and it was a really, really difficult time and I just, I was, um, I was, uh, Brett actually said, do you want to catch up for coffee? And sorry to mention you, mate, but... It was, it's vital to this story. So, um, I s- yeah, yeah, sure, no worries. And I, and I, just connecting was one thing. So that was good. We maintained that connection. And, and, and I'd always, I always knew that I still needed to maintain connection. We can't go to battle on our own. And when you're going through the hardest of hard times, when you, when you just can't see the forest for the trees, when, you, when everything's so cloudy and you just can't see a way out, and you're in a really deep and dark place, you, you need someone like a really good friend to come along and say, oh, I really feel you need to stop wallowing in self-pity. 
and uh, that was exciting. That was a that was a great day, and I am so I'm so grateful. And and another time when you're just absolutely worn out, you've got nothing left. You need someone to come along, get beside you, and take you for a five-kilometre run and make you do 100 push-ups because it's not the end of the road. You have family. We have connection. It's vital to remain in this environment. As we go grow closer and learn more about the heart of God, instead of it just being a a one-way street about God and us, as we learn more about his heart for others, we become more... We think more like him. So Jesus said, go. And what did he mean by that? Where did he mean to go? He didn't mean to just go home, sit in the shed and do nothing. He said, go. And now there's six billion people in the world. So he obviously wants us to connect. There's something really valuable about us connecting with each other. And we, we, yeah, link arms. This is where I was going to... We had an amazing revelation the other day. Chipper um, said, mate, you have to say something about that. It's really good. And so we were, I, was, I was driving along with him, and um, one, of, uh, one of the awesome things that I used to like doing, I don't go down there so much, but we used to go out to a friend of mine's farm, and we have a, a buggy out there, and it's, it's basically it's just a chassis with a V8 in it. So all you dads out there today on Father's Day... <laughs> And to all you hoons, um, this one's for you. So, so we have this, we have this buggy. It's, uh, it's got a V8, and so we're out there. I took my nephew for a, a little ride in that, and I was actually, I was actually doing a burnout. It was the middle of the night, and so we're, we're doing these snakies on this road, and the, the tires starting to let go, and because the the car's so open. Um, he was getting flicked in the shoulder with bits of rubber and steel belt and all this. And he's, ah, and he's, I said, lean in, mate, just lean in. So as, as he leaned in and as we came in together, the, uh, like I was able to then protect him from that, but carry on doing what I was doing. And it was, it was quite exciting. <laughs> it, was, it was really exciting for anybody who um, likes that kind of hooliganism things. Um, but yeah, I just... It really, it was like a word picture that the Lord gave us there and then. And it was like, we, we can, even in the hardest times, in when things aren't going our way and the, and the rubber and the steel belts flicking off and belting us in the back of the head, we can lean in to our friends or we can lean into the, to the, to the driver <laughs> and he can help us. So, and he's always there and he's going to steer us in the right direction. So, um, so that was that was pretty funny. We had a bit of a laugh, and I thought I'd just share that. Um, and I also wonder um, if we could actually see with our with our own natural eyesight into the spirit realm. I wonder if we'd ever even walk anywhere by ourselves. I don't know. I'm, I just thought about that earlier on. Um, I don't think I would. I would be wanting to link arms with my brother warriors and say come on we've got some work to do you know I I don't know it's just something to um, have a think about so yeah number four I think um, one of the one of the last things well yeah that's the last one on this page as we um, grow in our 
or come awake in our spiritual journey. Um, I believe that another important major thing, and a major thing for us, I committed to to praying with Sherelle once a week within the last 12 months. It's probably a long time ago now. But I just feel like um, we, as men, even need to take back our spiritual place as the head of the house. And I just think that it's vital. In Joshua 24, 15, it says, uh, choose this day whom you will serve. And then it says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And I just think that it was um, it was a huge growing for us as we came together and as we prayed together. And I just think it's so important for guys to pray over their kids, over their household, um, over over their basically over their family, and even over their kids' spouses. Even if they're not married yet, call them out. Call out your, your um, not ancestors, the opposite of it, generation, call out your generations, save, like, call them out to the Lord because, and I just feel like as, um, as we grow together in our household, then, then we're, we're setting, setting foot from our foundation at home. We can then go out and do every, from every day, we're, we're coming back to a safe place, like, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So that's where I can come back to every day and that's where I can go from every day and I can pray for my wife and I can pray for my kids and I can call out their destiny and their identity in the Lord. Whereas, um, you know, I, I just can't help but think how powerful that is and how much, how much of an influence we have even in our own... It's, a, it's only a small unit, but it's such a powerful thing. With all, with the enemy trying to rob, kill, and destroy all of our family units, and as we, you know, as, as I was talking about before, as others, well, as society generally chases, for want of a better word, or explaining it all over again, chases the golden handcuffs. The family unit is getting left behind, and so I just think we're we're building each other up. We're we're praying for each other. <laughs> I even got a word for my wife one night, and that was exciting. And I was like, I can see, I can, I can call that into being, and I can speak that over my wife, I can speak that over my kids, you know, and it's exciting. It's, we're not just meandering our way through and just ignoring the important stuff. We have a sphere of influence, and even if it's only this small, our, our own family unit, it's such a powerful unit. And we can create it to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, so, so that's that's exciting. And it also says in Ephesians, um, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And we all know he laid down his life for the church. So it's a big call, but it's good. So why? Why bother? Why, why would we even, you know, I'm, if I'm happy working, making money, got a new car, got a new Land Cruiser, I've got, <laughs> I could sell it tomorrow, it doesn't really, it, it doesn't worry me at all, but 
why bother with if we've got a new house, you know, if we've got uh, we've got a happy family. Why bother? Why do we get out of our comfort zone? Why do we want to reach out? Why do we want to see families healed? For me, I I just can't help it. I just I know that the Lord's rescued me from so many things. I just I've got this thing inside me that just says uh, I'll find it. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And so I just feel like, you know, as we, we carry a message of hope for the hopeless, we carry a message of good, we carry a message of life, and we carry abundance. We carry that wherever we go. We carry what God has imparted into us. We carry that Holy Spirit, that gift of goodness that is imparted into us. And I don't know about you, but I certainly don't want Jesus to deny me before the Father or say, you know, where were you or anything like that. So I'm, there you are. (laughs) Um, So I just feel like it's the least I can do. I've been rescued from a life of my own, she'll be right, I've got this, pursuits, which was, uh, for me, uh, it was a one-way ticket to, uh, I don't even think, I, I, I probably wouldn't have lasted another couple of years, I don't know. But um, I just, I really, yeah, I can't help but think that we have this, we have a hope, we have life, and we have, we have something to offer. Um, we... We're not just here to keep the pews warm and to fill the tithes box. Um, that just came to my head. I'm not. That's three fingers pointing back at me. By the way, I'm not. And um, I feel. Do, are we like Jonah? Are we hiding? Are we asleep in the whole hold of the ship? Um, whereas does in. Jeremiah 29:11 For I know the plans I have for you says the Lord for plans for welfare and not evil plans for a future and a hope this is the message that we have to give this is the message that we can carry to the hopeless and to the evil <laughs>